In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, we read, God has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Most of you marry or will marry. I wanted to marry very much, but it turned out this was not God's will for me. He had another purpose for my life, and that was to exhort the church of the end times and prepare them for the judgment seat of Christ. For we will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ, says Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. We will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ where we will answer for that which we have done, whether it be good or bad. And Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. As we draw nearer to the return of Jesus, each of us must conform our lives to the doctrines of the New Testament Bible. Many doctrines that are presented at your churches today are not the doctrines of Christ from the New Testament Bible. They are doctrines of men who have put into the church their own opinions. You must not have these doctrines of men in your heart when you appear at the judgment seat of Christ. You want to uproot every one of those antichrist doctrines from your heart, and you must conform your life to the real doctrines of Christ, which we know because they are stated for us in the New Testament Bible. So between the time we are living now and the time we die or the time we are taken off the earth when Jesus returns, between this time and that time, we need to check ourselves and be sure that those things that we think are of God are written in the New Testament Bible. We conform ourselves not to the thinking of the world, but to what God says in the New Testament Bible. And we have between now and the time we die to get our thinking straight on our doctrine. For there are many things that have come into the churches which are antichrist opposite to the doctrine of Christ. For example, Matthew 5.32. Jesus says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Is that your doctrine? Or do you have the doctrine that, of course, God would permit a man to marry a divorced woman? God wants you to be happy. 
Which doctrine do you have today in your heart? You better look at things like Matthew 5.32. You better check your doctrines to be sure that what you think is what God says in the New Testament Bible. The doctrines of Christ concerning lesbians and homosexuals. What do you have in your heart? It should be Romans chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28. Is that what you have in your heart? What is your doctrine concerning divorce and remarriage? It should be Matthew 5.32. It should be Mark chapter 10, where Jesus talks about the sanctity of marriage. It should be 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. That's what you should have in your heart. But as we live on this earth, we watch television and we see movies and it presents doctrines that are not the way of God. And it gets to seeming reasonable to us. So each of us must check our doctrines before we die or before we are taken off this earth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will answer for those things that we believe whether it be good or bad. Another thing that Jesus warns us about is in the end times, Matthew 24, he tells us this in verse 12. In the end times, because iniquity will abound, the love of many for things of God will wax cold. As a new born-again Christian, you were on fire, weren't you, for things of God? How about now? The fact that you're listening to this podcast encourages me that there's fire in your heart, at least some fire in your heart for the Word of God. But if you should find that you're all of a sudden not wanting to read the Bible, not wanting to hear things of God, wanting instead to see your television programs above the Word of God, and you're just not interested in what the Bible says like you used to be. You're beginning to get cold in your heart. Cry out to God and ask Him to help you. He will. I know because recently I went through this. I had a very bad allergy that attacked my eyes, and they burned and hurt. And this went on for days, and I prayed over it, and I did everything that I felt God showed me to do, even to the point of calling a doctor and asking for help. Those allergies are still coming and going, and I'm still having the battle. But I asked God not to let my heart get cold toward the Word of God, toward reading the Bible, toward looking at all the collection of scriptures that I've collected for myself through the past years, renewing my mind to the truth of God, exhorting the church as I'm called to do. A few days after I prayed this, I had a dream where I was talking to a woman 
it was somebody I knew in a town where I lived, and she was very well known. And I think she might have been on the city council or a city commissioner. And I said to her, well, maybe I'll do that. And she said, you? And I said, yes. And then in the dream, I realized to be a city council person or a commissioner, people would have to vote for you. She knew everybody in this little town. I don't know anybody and they don't know me. So I couldn't do this. How could I do this? Well, God reminded me of the five years after I was born again that he taught me the Bible. He taught it to me. August 1975, I was born again. For five years, God taught me the Bible. Toward the end of those five years, he made it clear to me that I was called to be a minister, an apostle and prophet, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, verse 11 and 12. He'd been training me by teaching me all of the Old and New Testament. We went through all of the Bible, many times, really, in those five years. I was attending church. I was in a prayer group. But really, it was the time that I was at home reading the Bible and hearing from God and having him explain doctrines to me. That's when he was preparing me for the ministry to which I am called. In 1975, well, actually from 75 up to July 31st, 1979, I owned a small business in Dallas, Texas, an American Indian arts business. I supported myself and my personal expenses through the profit that came through this business. I was attending, at that time, Word of Faith Church north of Dallas, just outside the city limits. And during that entire time, God was using our Sunday school class as an opening for me to learn to speak to the church because our teacher at every meeting of our Sunday school class, he never failed to say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And God would often show me words of wisdom, words of knowledge for people in the class, sometimes exhortations. But he used those years, it was about Three years, I suppose, that I attended this church. He used this time with me to give me an opportunity to learn how to share the Word of God with the church. I didn't know at the time that's what God was doing. I just yielded to the Holy Spirit and did what God showed me and said what God showed me. But now I know that he was using the church primarily to give me an opportunity to learn how to be a minister to the church. Well, in this dream where I said to this woman, well, maybe I'll do that, I realized I wouldn't have anybody to vote for me. 
Nobody would vote for me. They didn't even know me. So for five years, God was teaching me Bible between 1975 and January 10th, 1980. A man from our church group who identified himself as a prophet came to my business sometime in early 1979, and he said, now, Joan, you know you're supposed to be a minister. And I said, yes, I know that. And he said, you're dragging your feet. You're still operating a business when you're supposed to be a minister. Now, of course, you could do secular work and still be a minister. Paul was a tent maker. But I believed this man had heard from God. So on July 31st, 1979, I closed my business. I didn't have any place to go like a church where I would be a minister. I didn't try to find a church to get a ministry job, a salary job. I made no effort whatsoever toward finding the place I was supposed to work. I knew the calling. I knew What God had told me I was, he had taken me through all the scriptures in the Bible on the subject of apostles and prophets and had shown me that that was what I was called to be. But I didn't try to find a place where I would work. Like you'd think somebody might go to their church they attended and try to get a job. I didn't do that. I just stayed at home after I closed my business and read the Bible. And I knew inwardly that at some point, God would show me what I was supposed to do. During that time, a job became open at a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations for Dean of Women. I might have even gotten that job had I applied because I had an earned doctorate. But I didn't feel it fit the calling of Apostle Prophet. So I didn't apply for that job. I just sat at home and lived on the money that I had after the sale of the merchandise from the shop, paid my personal expenses through that money from my business. I had no idea between July 31st, when I closed the business, and January the 10th, what I was supposed to do. But on January the 10th, I was asleep in the night, and I was awakened by a very loud voice that was like a trumpet blowing into my ear three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and wrote KWJS on a notepad because it seemed clear to me that these were call letters to either radio or television. I turned to God and said, Are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. Instantly, the Holy Spirit brought the following information to my mind. Call the radio station manager. I'd never heard a religious broadcast on radio. I had no experience at all with radio. 
But that morning, because I heard to do that, I called radio station KWJS. The manager came on the phone immediately as soon as I asked to speak to him. And I said to him, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? He said, make an audition tape, 29 and a half minutes long, and send it to me. And if your teaching fits our programming, I'll offer you a contract. When I hung up the phone, I got my tape recorder, recorded a message 29 and a half minutes long, put it in the mail, and sent it to the radio station manager. Within five days, I was on radio, exhorting the church on radio KWJS. By the end of the first year or year and a half, I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle, just like I heard that night when I was awakened with those three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. It all happened. God just put me on radio. I had no power base. I had no visible support at that time. I had nothing that would seem to put me on radio. I had no church sponsoring me. I had nothing but God. Remembering these things encouraged me so greatly. I know one of the ways we endure through 40 or 50 years on this earth after becoming a Christian is that we remember the things that God has done. We might remember Exodus chapter 3 through chapter 15 where God performed his miracles and brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. We might look at that and be encouraged to endure. But Jesus says in the end times, many will have their love grow cold. And I think that means love for things of God will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 24, 12, 13. Well, this encouraged me at a time that I needed encouragement when I had that dream because I realized, hey, when I went on radio, nobody was supporting me. I had no power base. Nobody even knew me, hardly. Just the people at the church that I had been attending. But I I had no support from them to go on radio. I had no pastor telling the manager of the radio station, this is a person who needs to go on radio. I just made the audition tape and sent it to the station that I was told to send it to, KWJS, and God worked it out for me to be on radio. At one point in time, I was on radio in Detroit, and I was in Detroit to have a meeting with the radio audience, and I went to the radio station and met the manager and also uh, visited with him, and he said to me, you're the most unusual minister that we've ever had. Usually, these are people who are known, but he said, you just appeared. You were unknown. No one knew who you were, and all of a sudden, there you were, and we gave you a radio spot, and you began exhorting the church. 
but you were unknown. I had no power base from humans. I had a power base from God. Now, God had to keep me independent. Why? Because one of the offices I have is prophet. And prophets are from time to time going to have messages of correction for the church and the ministers. You can't have people controlling you as a prophet. I am totally free to speak any message that God gives me to you. No one censors it. No one tells me what to speak. I'm totally dependent on God and the Spirit of God. But if I had to have money from you, that could affect what I was doing. Because if I depended on you for financial support, I'm not sure I could speak some of these messages that you hear me speak. But God has arranged for me to be supported without having a power base. It's an incredible story. But the point is, we who are called of God and born again fulfill the purpose of God as we live on this earth. Let's read this scripture once more in closing. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 God who has saved us and called us with an holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus, before the world began, says Paul to the church. And this is an example of that. So if you feel yourself growing cold and not wanting to read the Bible or not wanting to read spiritual writings or hear podcasts that are spiritual, If you feel yourself growing cold, it's so simple. Just say, God, please help me. That's what I did, and he helped me by giving me the dream that I reported to you. And he will help you if you call on him. How do you put your trust in God? How How do you do that? Well, one of the primary ways is you remember to ask God for help. For you don't go to someone, let's say a human, and ask him for help unless you trust him. And you put your trust in that human, right or wrong, by asking for help. Well, we have God as our help. So every time we turn to God and pray and ask him for help, he helps us. And we put our trust in God. In the year 2021, just all of a sudden, I was bombarded by negative thoughts from the devil. They were from the devil. But when the devil brings you a negative thought, it seems real, like your thought, though it is really the devil bringing that negative thought. I had thoughts such as, you're 84 years old now. 
What if you get to where you can't walk? You'll have to move to another location. You can't live where you're living now if you can't walk. What will you do? Well, that was terrifying. And I cried out to God, God, help me. Instantly, I was reminded by the Holy Spirit of a scripture. God will supply all your need. And these words came into my mind by the Holy Spirit. After I called out, God help me, God will supply all your need. And I said, oh, that's right. God will supply all my need. Well, then, the minute I rejoiced in that word, the devil fled from me. If you submit yourself to God and hear from him and whatever he says, submit yourself to God Resist the devil with that which you heard from God, and he will flee from you. He'll want nothing to do with you on that, at that moment. Now, even after Jesus was tempted, the angels ministered to him for a season. Therefore, we know Jesus was tempted throughout his time on this earth. And we will have negative thoughts that come to us from time to time. They're from devils, but devil doesn't announce himself. And it seems real. Submit yourself to God. God, help me. And he tells you something, and you rejoice in that which God has said. And the burden of the weight of the pressure, it's like it's lifted from my shoulder when that happens. It's like a pressing down on my shoulder, and the whole thing lifts. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.